No, turn, go ahead and turn your Bible to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Now, some of you might know uh, some of the uh, 2 Samuel 23 chapter, uh, starting in verse 8, as the mighty men of David. And, and this isn't part of the message, so this is free for you. But I, I as a kid, at like Jackson's age, I love this chapter. Uh, we'll just, like I said, it's not part of it. Verse 8, these be the name of the mighty men whom David had, the, oh boy, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the ends knight. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. One time with the spear. I don't know if this spear was like really long and he just did one thrust and got shish kebobbed 800 or he swings it and takes, but one time slays 800 men. Verse 9, and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahorite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defied the Philistines, they were then, that were there, gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He, talking about Eliezer, arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Eleazar fights so hard that his hand, he can't let go of the sword. This, these stories of these men as, as growing up was like, wow, this is, I mean, you, you talk about uh, the Romans and what they did. You, you don't hear about a Roman soldier taking out 800 men by himself. I mean, this, this was, but our, our message starts in verse 11. Verse 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, into an, an army, basically, where was a piece of ground full of lentils, that's beans. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, stood in the midst of the ground, and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. You know, I read that chapter a lot, like I said, as growing up, because these, these guys were just amazing. The, the fact that, you know, you have these movies and stuff where these, uh, you know, heroes and stuff like that do all these things. Well, here in the Bible, it talks about actual real heroes that did amazing things that we never really could think of, and you just read through that, and wow. You know, a guy by himself takes out an army. That's, that's pretty amazing. But recently, something's been sticking out in that verse. And the, the point of it is verse 11. He, uh, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, a bean field. That's what it was. It's just a bean field. Verse 12, but he, Shammah, stood in the midst of that ground and defended it. Shammah gets up and sees the Philistines in this bean field attacking and decides, I'm going to risk my entire life over a bean field. Fighting for a bean field, something that, like it says in the end of verse 11, and the people fled. Everybody else thought, oh, who cares? It's a bean field. I'm not dying over a bean field. I'm, I'll you know, survive in the city and fight for the city, but the bean field, go ahead, I ain't lose my life over this. But the fact of the matter that 
Shama decides that I'm going to fight for a bean field means that that little bean field meant something. There was an importance to this bean field. And after reading this, I've been talking to a guy at work that he grew up Baptist. Uh, I don't know when he left, but he left and went, uh, goes to a Pentecostal church now. And, and talking with him about, you know, why, why'd you leave? What, what made you leave and stuff? And he talks about how... Um, I guess his, his main biggest arguments is that you fundamentals and you uh, Baptists are so, he used, which is funny, he uses the, the phrase, you major on the minors, doctrines, which I thought was weird because I don't know that there was anything called a minor doctrine. Um, there's, there's doctrines in the Bible and there's, there's principles of biblical living that are in the word of God. And yes, there are things that are more important than other things. Salvation, pretty high on the list. Living for Christ, your prayer life, those things are important. But if it's in the word of God, it's important. Doesn't matter where on the scale of importance. If it's in the word of God, it's important. And the other thing is he likes to talk about is that your way, your version of Christianity is, is you know, just not what I like. And it made me, made me think about Shama battling for a bean field. The fact of the matter is, is we don't have a version of Christianity. There's a, a way to live Christ-like that's in the Word of God, and you either do and live what the Word of God says, or you adapt and change the Word of God to make it fit whatever you want to live. And the fact is, fundamental, independent, Baptist, biblical, principle living is based off of this. We didn't invent it, people. We didn't invent the Christian walk. God did. So, so this idea of having, you, you have two small things that you think are important. Well, that bean field to everybody else didn't mean anything. They fled. But Shama said, no, it's a bean field, and there's a reason to fight for it. And so I want to look at five ways or reasons to consider why to fight for your bean fields, your little things that are in your life that the Word of God says that most people might say, you know, eh, whatever, you know, it's, it's there, but it's not really that important, but why we should still fight for them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity, Lord, giving me the opportunity to open your Word tonight. Lord, you know in me dwells no good thing pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit and your uh, power tonight to be able to give your word that you get the glory. Lord, we praise you for all you do. In your name I ask, amen. So the first thing we need to consider when we fight for these bean fields is where it's located. The Philistines obviously come into the land and a man of God stands and fights for it because he realizes this bean field is a part of the promised land. This piece of ground is what God gave us. Yes, he gave us the cities and Jericho and Jerusalem and all that, but this bean field is something that God gave me too. And it means it's worth fighting for. If it's in the word of God, it's important. But it's a bean field. Some things, yes, like I said, in the Bible mean have lesser importance biblically 
But again, last time I checked, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's still in the Bible. All Scripture, from Genesis to Revelations, is the inspired Word of God. All Scripture is given and is important. So each thing has its place of importance. Turn to first to Daniel 1. We know the story of Daniel. He's uh, a part of Israel, and Babylon comes and takes them captive, uh, slaves, basically. Daniel is one of those uh, young men that are taken to indoctrinate and change to become Babylonians and uh, be an influence in there. And Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Do we see what Daniel did there? Daniel just risked his life. He's a slave. He's a captive. And he tells his captors, listen, I can't eat that. Now, that, that verse does not say anything about that meat being given to idols. That verse doesn't say specifically that it's pork or anything. But Daniel says, I'm going to risk my life over a dietary law. A dietary law that's not really mentioned a whole lot in the Bible, and it's the wine is mentioned a little bit, but it's not a really big thing given to them in the Word of God. But Daniel says it's in the Word of God. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stand here. Even if it costs me my life, I'm going to take a stand. If it's in the Bible, it matters. Another example, I guess a, a, an instance, I guess. Parents, you know, it, it, I'm new at it, but I've been around a lot of, and I grew up really in through one, I guess. And, you know, as kids, when, when they're kids, we, we don't have any issue telling them what to do, what not to do, who you're allowed to hang out with, who you're allowed to play with, what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat, what you can listen to. And we can give them all these rules when they're kids, but then for some reason when they turn 14, 15, all of a sudden we want to be their friend instead of their parent. And we want to compromise. We want to change. And, you know, that, that 16, 17-year-old boy was going to do what he does best is figure out how to, you know, Mom, I'm, I know this whole thing about uh, take anything, music. I, I know it says we're not supposed to really listen. But this doesn't have bad words in it. And it doesn't, you know, what, can I listen to this? And I'd like to listen to this, and I'm not really sure if I totally agree with what your rules are about this. It doesn't really say in the Bible, I'm not allowed to do this. Listen, parents, we, we make rules based off of this. So our rules are not our rules, they're God's rules. And when a, a son or daughter, 16, 17, boy or girl comes to you and says, I don't agree with what your rule is, they're not going against you. They're not believing the Bible. It's not you. It's the word of God. And no 16, 17-year-old boy is that deep to go, uh, I've been praying about this. No. They want, to, they want to get away with as much as they can. It's not your rules. It's the word of God's rules. As parents, we can't compromise a little. Shama risked his life and battled for a bean field 
because it was the people of God's being filled, and it was God's possession, and that's why he fought for it. Number two, we have to consider who is now in that being field. Verse 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi. We'll just skip down. And, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. The Philistines are in it. The sworn enemies of God in Israel are now in this bean field. When the, God's people vacate something, you can be sure the enemy's going to move in. There's no putting something up for sale and you, you move away and it just sits there. We're the light. We're the lighthouse on the hill. When you, when you turn these lights off, it's, it's not, it stays light for a little you know, five minutes, and then it turns and fades to dark. No, when you turn light out, darkness takes over. When God's people back, give in, back down, when they don't stand for anything, and when they give ground, it, the enemy takes it over. There, there's, no, there's no middle ground. Listen, we, we all have heard and we all say, this world's a mess, and it is a mess. It, it, even in my lifetime, I, I never would have thought that what I see and what is put in front of our face as being right would be what it is today. But the fact of the matter is the world's been a mess forever since the fall of man. The world's been a mess. But what's been happening is churches and Christians are giving ground. And they're not just giving ground and leaving it there. The enemy's moving in. And then the enemy moves in further. And you give more ground. And, the enemy, and now we've gotten to the point where we used to be here and fighting against it. But now we're over here and now... It's not empty. The world's just continually pushing against it. We're giving up ground, and we have to consider who's in that ground. When, the, when you vacate, the enemy's going to take it over. I'm, I'll pick on parents because I'm a parent, and I've got to learn it too. Unfortunately, it doesn't come with a manual other than this, but when parents, when your kids do sports, I played sports we played sports. It's a lot of fun. But the thing is, there are, there's a line that you need to draw as a parent when it comes to sports or activities or anything. When the sport turns into, it's Wednesday, but we have practice, well, we'll skip church. Well, it's Wednesday. I mean, it's not Sunday, so it's not the, it's not the main Lord's Day. It's just Wednesday night. It's not as important. When you give that ground, you give that, that ground that the enemy's going to take over, not in just your life, but your kid's life. Your kids are going to grow up realizing, well, I guess Wednesday night's not as important. And if it's not that important, then I don't have to do it either. And so we have to be willing to fight and stand for those little things in our life because we have kids and those around us that are watching us to see whether what we think is important will be important to them. So the, the other thing that we have to consider, well, is what others have done. Verse 11 at the end says the people fled before the Philistines. When we declare something is lesser of importance, like Wednesday night church, 
when we decide something is not as important of, you know, the pastor's job is to go knock on doors and give the gospel, that, that's not my job. When we just declare something of lesser importance, it leads to defeat. Those people that left and fled, if, if Shama didn't stand the gap, they would have been defeated. It would have been done. When you say that something is lesser importance, get ready, you're going to give it up next. When, when you declare something minor is right before you decide it's not really that important, and then all of a sudden it turns into I don't really need it at all. Just like, you know, we, we joke about they start in the front row and then they move back and then they move back and then they move back and then they just don't come to church. That's the way people work in this world. Music, a very easy one to talk about. When I, the church I grew up with was like this church. Started, I never would have thought I would have ever left that church. St stood by the King James Bible, had the right kind of music, but then somebody started saying, well, you know, there's different ways of worshiping God. There's different styles of music. Next thing you know, the praise and worship team's here, and there's a drum set over there. It doesn't take long to when you start declaring something not as important to when you're on this side of the field now. When we back up and retreat, defeat has no stopping ground. There's no stopping it. There, I always say it, it's a very slippery slope in a lot of things. Once you start down that path, you're just going to keep going and keep going and keep giving ground and keep backing up. That's why when your kids say, well, you know, why can't we do, listen to that? Why can't we go do this? Why can't we skip Wednesday night? Why can't we go and watch this movie? Why can't we do these? It's funny how everybody always says, why can't we do these things? And as soon as you decide, all right, well, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give in a little. You're not allowed watching R, but you're allowed watching PG-13 now. When you compromise and back down, you start letting them run the, the house, and you can't stop it. There's no stopping compromise. That's why Shama saw the bean field, stood in the middle of it, and said, it may be a bean field, but I'm going to stop it here in this bean field. I'm not going to wait till it gets to the city when it becomes almost too late. I'm going to stop it here at the bean field. That's why it's important to fight for the bean fields. You know why Daniel wouldn't eat the king's meat? Because he saw his name get changed. He saw his, the new language having to learn. He saw the indoctrination they were doing. He saw the, the gods that they were trying to make him serve. And he says, if I don't stop it here, I'm never going to stop it. I'm never going to be able to stop it. You give up on the music standards, the dress standards, your friends who you hang around with, you'll never stop it. It'll just keep going. And we've talked about this before, these Churches that are letting, you know, we, we bring in the band to bring in the, the people. Well, the next generation, you're going to have to step even further back to being able to bring in the next generation. And then you have to step even further back to bring in the next generation. And pretty soon, you won't even have the word of God there at all. It's just going to be a gathering place where they sing songs. 
You won't even know that they sing songs about Christ. They may add Jesus here and there to make him Christian, but that's the way it starts. Once you start down it, there's no stopping it. We're trying to make peace with the world too much. Love not the world is still in the Bible, and neither the things that are in the world goes right along with it. We have to, we're trying to fit in. And, and as, you know, as you grow up, you, you already knew when you were in school, you tried to fit in. You don't want to be the sore thumb. You don't want to be the kid that everybody makes fun of. But today, if you're just moral, honest, and a decent person, you stick out. So you might as well just stick out. Battling for a being field becomes a stopping place, and you have to stop it at some point in time, and you might as well stop it at the beginning. How do, how do older preachers stick with it for years and years and years? They don't give ground. They don't start to compromise. They fight for their being fields. You hear, you know, maybe we should tone down, you know, I, I grew up with preachers that spat and yelled and all in your face and everything, and people would, man, maybe we should tone it down, not, not be so in their face and not so, uh, you know, battering them so much. No. The fact of the matter is, if, if you're, okay, st stay with me. The Bible says that the, let me say it the correct way. The word of God is powerful and quick and powerful and what? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper. It's not a butter knife. It's, it's not something that you just, you know, put something on. It's sharp. What's the point of having a sharp sword? To cut. To pierce. Uh, with last, last week's message about being a uh, watchman. That cut. That cut deep and cut hard. Why? Because it was the word of God. And that was the point. It's supposed to cut. It's supposed to take the fat off and take off the parts that we're not supposed to be because God's word is there to, like the Bible says, God's, God's the potter. He's trying to mold you into what you're supposed to be. We have to stick with being edgy, being sharp with our, our messages. When you back down, the other thing is, is you take others when you back down. It wasn't just one person that fled, it was the people fled. John 21.3, Simon Peter says, I go a-fishing. Did he just go fishing? Took six other people with him. Peter, James, and John were the only people that were fishermen. The other guys weren't fishermen. So they, you always take people with you. And some people, some church, you know, I'll, I'll just compromise a little on this. I won't compromise that, and I won't go any further, but I'll just do a little bit. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll let you watch a PG-13 movie, but we're not going to R. Just wait. Next year, you'll be at R. It's a slippery slope when you start compromising. The fourth thing we have to consider when you're fighting for a beaten field is where you battle. Look at verse 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, 
Shama got right in the middle of it. He wasn't on the edge of the, of the bean field. He wasn't on this edge of the bean field. He was right in the middle where he was supposed to be. And to battle for a bean field, battle for something that people think is not as important, you have to be right in the middle of it. You can't be on the edges. You can't be on the sidelines fighting. You have to be in the middle. And by being in the middle, you tell the enemy, listen, you ain't getting any further. There, there's no retreat, but you ain't moving forward either. You have, don't, you can't fight on the edge. People say, what's wrong with having some contemporary music? Why people always ask what's wrong with things instead of saying what's right with some things? It's because they want to know how close they can get to this edge without being wrong, but still being on. I'm, I'm still on the stage, but I'm right on the edge. I'm still right, but I'm getting as close to the world as I can. That's not what the Word of God wants us to be. We want, he wants us to be right in the middle of righteousness. Righteousness isn't about just doing some things right. It's about fully and wholeheartedly doing everything you possibly can to do right, to be in the middle of right. That's what righteousness is. And we, we do this stuff where we try to grab, we'll, we'll pick this and pick some of that wrong and that world stuff and that stuff, and we try to mix it with the right stuff, and we wonder why nothing makes sense. And we wonder why it doesn't work. You want to win your battle for your bean field? You're going to have to get in the middle of it. And when you get in the middle of it, you got to stand. You stand and you stand and you stand for Jesus, and having done all, stand, the Bible says. You stand up, even if you're by yourself. Shama's by himself, but he stood because it was what was supposed to happen. The Word of God says he looked, he searched for somebody to make up the hedge, stand in the gap, but he found none because nobody would stand. The last thing we have to consider, the fact that victory will come. Verse 12, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. There was a great victory wrought. God wrought the victory. That's where victories come from, from God, from the Lord. It doesn't matter if you, you go out knocking on doors and you've memorized, you know, if they come back with me at, at that, I'm going to say this. And if they, you have this rehearsed in your head. But you're not using the word of God. You're going with a butter knife instead of a sword. The victory comes from God. It doesn't come from compromising, backing down, or giving in. You'll never get victory from any of that. You have to stand. God will bring the victory if you stand in the gap. Daniel took his stand, wouldn't eat the stuff. Did they kill him? No. In fact, they made him in a huge influence over kings and nations and rulers. Will that always happen? No. You may be thrown into a fiery furnace or thrown into the lion's den, but when you're in there, God's with you. It doesn't matter whether you're in the fiery furnace or you're 
second in command or talking to the king, God's going to be with you. You may have to go and stand alone, but God's always going to be there with you. God wrought a great victory because a guy took a stand and battled for something everybody else thought wasn't important. And he took a stand for a bean field, and God brought the victory. Some may look at our church and wonder, you know, if you just added some contemporary music. We've had people come, and they, they put on the little... Uh, What's the, the I'm new visitor card thing? That it's uh, not really what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for something more contemporary. And we would, man, if if we would change this, maybe we'd get more people. But the matter of the fact is, is if you lose your salt, you're useless. The Lord says. To be the light on this hill for a reason. We have to take a stand. And God will bring the victory. No matter what you stand or if you stand by yourself, God will bring the victory. Don't back down. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't compromise. Stand in the middle of your bean field and fight. You say, I don't know. I don't know how to fight. doesn't matter. Fight. With all you got and everything that you know how to do, you fight. Because God's going to do the work. God's will bring the victory through it all. Last example and I'll be done. Jesus Christ came to this earth and took a stand for something. Now, yes, we, we realize that he came and died for our sins, but he, he, historically speaking, he took a stand for something and it cost him his life. So we have to realize and be prepared. Yes, we might be like Daniel and be able to come out on top of the mountain. And we might be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out of the fiery furnace not unscathed at all. No fire, no burn at all. But we might be like Stephen and be stoned if we take a stand. We have to realize that a perfect one took a stand and it cost him his life. We have to realize that it might cost us our life. But God will still get the victory. We need to stand and stay strong, even for the little things of the Word of God. We need to fight for the little bean fields. God will bring the victory. He's promised He will. We need to trust Him and trust that He'll bring the victory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word and, and what you're able to do through your word. Lord, I pray that you were glorified through tonight. Lord, I pray that we, we do stand up and fight for our bean fields. Lord, you put them in the word of God for a reason. And every single word, every single story, every single example that you have in this book you put there for a reason for us and so lord i pray that we we hold to those truths and to your promises and we we stand for them that we don't we don't back down lord that we get a backbone that we be a church and a christian that stands for you
Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do. In your name I ask. Amen. In any of our lives. And as soon as you start giving a little, the devil's going to take everything you got. And that's a great reminder to stand for that. Stand for what's right. Stand in the field and fight. Because look, he, he made a great point that everybody else around him had left. But there would have been no victory if there wouldn't have been one man that took a stand in the middle of that field. And because one man decided, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to stand for what's right. God wrought a great victory. Yeah, Shema had to do his part. But God brought the victory because he was willing to stand. Boy, it's a great, what a great couple verses in the Bible right there. A great point that he made about that. Just stand for what's right. Stand for what's right. God will bless it. God will bless it. The enemy's going to fall. God will bless it. God's spoken to your heart tonight as the piano plays. The invitation is open and you can come.